You are about to listen to the full interview with Dr. Diana Deutsch. Sections of it were originally included in our instrumental transcommunication episode. Diana Deutsch is a professor of psychology at UC San Diego and is one of the most prominent researchers on the psychology of music. We dig deeper into the phantom word phenomenon, as well as other explanations for EVP. We hope you enjoy. Well, I'm a professor of psychology at the University of California, San Diego, and I teach courses and conduct research on sound perception. I also spend my time experimenting with sound patterns, and in the process I've discovered a number of illusions of music and language, and carried out experiments to determine how these illusions inform us about the way we process sounds. What first got you interested in looking into this this area? Into the fan- phantom words? Phantom words and also the music, uh, and even more broadly, um, the music patterns and, and things like that. More but... broadly about illusions and music. Well, I had thought that I would be a musician, you know, for my, as a career, as it were. And I played the piano as a child and teenager a lot and composed music and really expected to go to the Royal Academy and study music. But my parents talked me out of it. They said I didn't have the temperament to, you know, go and perform on stage and so on. It would be too stressful. And I decided they were right. So <laughs> I, I, went to, I actually went to Oxford and I studied um, psychology and philosophy instead. My heart was always in music, really. I was also very interested in illusions. My father was a sculptor, and he was interested in visual illusions in his work. And he would explain to me what he was doing and and how aspects of his work produced illusions and so on. I read a great deal, especially Gombrich wrote a wonderful book called Art and Illusion that I read in detail. And so it's sort of not surprising that I ended up doing this because my heart was really in both of these for a long time. More specifically, maybe we could narrow in into the phantom word phenomenon and what, how did you first discover that and get involved in that? I coined the term phantom word to describe an illusion that I experienced on hearing words and phrases that weren't being spoken. And I discovered this illusion by chance when I was expecting to produce a different illusion. This involves playing repeating sequences of tones to the right and left ears. Since this early illusion involved repeating high and low tones, I recorded the words high and low and played them repeatedly like this, high, low, high, low, high, low, and so on. The sequence was offset in time at the ear so that when the right ear received the word high, the left ear received the word low, and vice versa. It so happened that although the illusion I was hoping to create required headphones, I also had stereo loudspeakers playing. And as as I was listening to this pattern, I was surprised to find that I was hearing different words and phrases. For example, no time or diet coke and so on. So I generated some more phrases and played them to a class I was teaching. I put one loudspeaker to the right of the stage and the other speaker to the left and the students wrote down what they heard. The best way to listen to these phantom words is to sit in front of two loudspeakers with one to your left and the other to your right. 
Since the sounds from the two speakers are mixed in the air before they reach your ears, you're given a palette of sounds from which to choose, and so you can create in your mind many combinations of sounds. Now, on listening to such a sequence, people initially hear a jumble of meaningless sounds, but after a while, distinct words and phrases emerge. Those that seem to be coming from the speaker on the right generally differ from those coming from the left. Then later, new words and phrases appear. And people sometimes hear a third stream of words or phrases that seem to be coming from somewhere between the two speakers. Nonsense words and musical sounds often seem to be mixed in with meaningful words. People often report hearing speech in strange or foreign accents. Presumably, they're organizing the sounds into words and phrases that are meaningful to them, even though the words sound distorted in consequence. Also, people frequently hear two different voices, one high and the other low, usually coming from different loudspeakers. Here are some examples of words and phrases that the students reported. Window, welcome, love me, run away, no brain, rainbow, raincoat, bueno, nombre, when oh when, mango, window pane, Broadway, Reno, melting, and Rogaine. And since this is a large class, about 300 students, you could get that many, you know, in one class. So the phantom words can appear suddenly and very distinctly, to the point that people have sometimes insisted that I inserted them into a track, though in reality this never happened. I remember there was a, uh, an exchange student from Germany once in class, and she raised her hand and I asked her what, what the problem was. She said, you inserted the word genucht into the track. And I said, but I didn't. Genug means enough in German. I said, I didn't. I, it simply, I think it was Igor was the phantom word that I used at the time. She said, so she said, but you did, you did. I heard it quite distinctly. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I didn't. And this went on for a bit, but, you know, I was teaching this class, so I had to get on to something else. So after class, she came up to me and she said, look, I know you inserted Gnucht into the tracks. And she just turned on her heel and left. She, people do get quite emotional about it, actually, as the words, these phantom words sometimes come out with very striking clarity. And they really are often convinced that I'm attempting to fool them. And what, so, do yeah. actually, could we maybe take a quick step back and could you just give me a, like a definition of exactly what the phantom word is? Like, how would you define it um, by itself? And a phantom word is a word that's created by your own mind rather than coming from the outside world. I'm really interested in, in knowing, like, what is it about um, the human mind that creates meaning from meaningless noise? And why have we evolved this way to have this experience? Perception has evolved to enable us to interpret our environment and so to react effectively to things around us. So in prehistory, people used their visual system to recognize, say, a predator coming toward them, a potential mate or a possible source of food. And they would have used their auditory system to recognize, say, the roar of a predator, the call of a potential mate or an alarm call. And so they could take appropriate action. 
So the precise details of what we see and hear are not important. The importance lies in the features that reach our eyes and ears that enable us to act effectively. And many illusions of vision and hearing have evolved to emphasize such features. And in particular with respect to hearing, sounds are fleeting by their nature. They go by us so fast that we don't have time to interpret them in detail. This contrasts with viewing a visual scene where we can take time to view it piece by piece. So hearing is even more likely than vision to produce illusions to enable us to decipher what's going on. So to get back to your question, so for evolutionary reasons, when we listen to speech, the words and phrases we hear are strongly influenced not only by the sounds that reach us, but also by our knowledge, beliefs, and expectations. To understand what's being said, we need to recognize that the same word has been spoken by different people or by the same person in different emotional states, and that's a difficult thing to do. So, interpreting conversational speech, we draw on experiences that occurred throughout our lives and on expectations resulting from these experiences, and so we make inspired guesses as to what's being said. Psychologists call this top-down processing, and it involves memory, evaluating the emotional state of the speaker, and even drawing on visual information. And I should mention that the words and phrases that are heard, these phantom words and phrases, correspond to what's on the person's mind in a way that's very much like ink plots in a Rorschach test. I'd be curious to know, like, what is it about human speech that we're able to so easily discern it from other noises? Because I know that I know that people are, have evolved to identify human speech out of other noises. So I find it really interesting that people could be tricked from something that maybe is mechanical in nature to hear or, you know, something in nature to hear words out of it. Because I think a lot of a lot of the electronic voice phenomenon interpretations don't come, aren't based off of human speech, kind of like what you've done in your experiments, but it's more maybe mechanical noise on the tape recorders that people are using that they hear a word from. I'd say that speech of all sounds is the most important to us and that we we evolved speech um, for a purpose in order to be able to understand the world around us, to understand what's going on, to be able to interact with each other also. So for that reason, I would say that speech is the most important of the sounds that we hear. It's not really answering your question, is it? Well, I didn't really, I don't think my question was very (laughs) clearly defined. Um, But I do, I mean, I I think you're hitting on the point that I'm thinking about, which is just how interesting it is that we're so fine tuned to recognizing speech. And yet we also can be tricked pretty easily. And then there's also, speech is very important for communication. It informs us about the world, about events that are about to happen or have happened and so on. It informs us about the speaker's emotional state and about their intentions. Is there any ways that you see this phantom word phenomenon influencing any parts of our culture? Well, there are two things that I thought I would mention two separate things. One is in terms of everyday life, 
Given that people tend to hear illusory sounds depending on their memories, expectations, and emotional states, we would expect related effects to occur in everyday life. For example, in an argument, a word or a phrase might be misheard as an expression of hostility, and this could worsen the argument, so the phantom word in itself could have an effect of making the argument worse. So it's sort of like a positive, a positive feedback loop. Another way that phantom word phenomenon is manifest in our culture is in the entertainment industry. So we have films like Poltergeist and The Sixth Sense and White Noise, for example. And on reality TV, we have shows such as Ghost Hunters. So people have evidently drawn to these things, and so they are used in entertainment. I guess they, people find that whole idea of spirits from the afterlife affecting them or it, trying to influence them. They find it mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that, can you touch on what the EVP, what EVP is? And um, I know you touch on the spiritualist movement in your book and kind of how that, maybe this is a, a continuation of that. Could you talk through that? Yeah, well, I could, I mean, just historically, the EVP movement began with the work of the artist Friedrich Jurgensen, if I'm pronouncing it right, in the mid-20th century. Jurgensen was recording bird songs on a tape recorder when he thought he heard human voices on his tapes. So he was intrigued and made further recordings from which he continued to hear unexplained voices, including some utterances that he believed were coming from his deceased mother. And he concluded that the voices were coming from spirits in the afterlife. And Jurgensen's work in turn inspired the parapsychologist Constantine Radiv to make many thousands of recordings, including some from a radio that wasn't tuned to a particular station. So it produced a haze of static or noise. And from these recordings, he heard voices that were often distorted, spoke with foreign accents or different languages, often switching abruptly from one language to another and often in a definite rhythm. And further, some of the phrases he heard appeared to be related to his own personal experiences. Electronic vocal projections are typically brief fragments of speech, usually the length of a word or a short phrase. They're often indistinct, but a word or phrase can sometimes emerge with striking clarity. Also in my phantom words, the voices are heard sometimes of strange or foreign accents, and they often switch randomly from one subject to another and from one language to another. They sometimes produce meaningless words or phrases that listeners refer to themselves. Also, EVP researchers tell listeners in advance what meanings they will attach to the sounds they hear, and this effect causes strong priming. And they often play the sounds over and over again, as I do in my paradigm. So there are many points of similarity between my phantom words phenomena and the phantom words the EVP enthusiasts describe. Does, uh, does the phantom word phenomenon, what's happening inside of our brain, does it, does it have any correlation to like the Rorschach experience, the visual patterns that we see? I believe that the phantom word phenomenon is very similar to the Rorschach test in its effects, except that I think it's better because, um, well, why do I think it's better? Um, I think that it's better because words 
and phrases are somehow more meaningful than visual patterns. And I think, therefore, that this paradigm of, of using um, the phantom word phenomenon, maybe in a clinical setting, um, could be very useful. I have certainly noticed that people who are in various emotional states will hear things that correspond to their emotional states. Like students in class, when it's exam time, tend to hear no time and no brain, for example, or I'm tired, they hear quite frequently. So actually, it's interesting because often these these are negative things. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, has, has there ever been any consideration in using the phantom word um, like in some form well, of um, in fact, therapy? I did. When I first discovered this phenomenon, I did um, t- test people in our local Veterans Administration Hospital. They did suffer from psychosis, and they did hear bad stuff. They heard really bad stuff like... I'm dying and kill them and things like that. This happened very early on when I wasn't sure what other people would hear. And I, I, was, I was amazed. And I, looking back on it, I, I realized it's very likely to happen with other people who are in such a state. And I really should do some clinical studies to look into this. Mm. It's, it, have you, I noticed a lot of the words and phrases, even outside of this this study was they're either negative or they're neutral do you have you heard lots of yes people hearing lots of positive yes. words through, through actually the I, word? I, i've looked into that there's um i did um give a talk at the acoustical society of america about a year ago and in preparation for that talk i um documented the different words and phrases that were heard and apart from those that were um, sort of neutral emotionally, they, they do, did tend to be negative more than positive. But there's one thing I should say. The word love appeared very often amongst UCSD female undergraduates. The girls just heard the word love, and it really didn't matter what the word really was that was being played. They would hear the word love. On the other hand, I have to say the men did not hear the word love. Instead, they tended to hear sexually explicit or inexplicit words and phrases. But um, that did happen, yes. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, ah. <laughs> that, that's, that was one nice thing, seeing the, the word love written down a lot. Do you know why that might be the case that we don't we don't hear more positive words through this? That's a really interesting question. And when I looked into it, I was surprised when I actually went ahead and tabulated it all, how strong this effect was, that the of the things that were clearly positive or clearly negative, there were many more that were clearly negative. Yeah. I didn't publish this, but I, I have that data and it's definitely there. I mean, of course, in, that's, that, that was, you know, that was in a different situation where I was doing an experiment, was very carefully controlled with a single experimenter in a large room and, and so on, and it's possible that the students were a bit nervous or, and so on. I'm not sure that that would have happened in class um, to such an extent. 
In fact, the students rather enjoyed the fact that they were hearing things that differed from what their neighbours were hearing. And so there was a lot of giggling that went on and laughing and so on. So, you know, it, it can be situational as well. Yeah. Do you plan to do more studies and experiments with phantom words? Well, just as we as we just described, I really should do some clinical studies on this because it might end up being very useful, not necessarily just to show if people are depressed because you don't need a Rorschach test or phantom words to tell that you're depressed, but it could start a conversation if it's about something. Um, People often hear things that relate to what's going on in their lives. I mean, just as a... um, just as um, an example that's not particularly emotionally tinged, um, our neighbour was building a house next door and um, I had him listen to a, a phantom words and he kept on hearing the word castle. And I thought, why is he hearing castle? Nobody else ever heard castle. Well, of course he's building a house, you know. So it does seem to reflect on what you're doing at the time as well as your emotional stage. Wow, that's really, really interesting. Um, if, if anyone who's listening to this is interested in trying to experience this for themselves, is there a place that they can hear some of these recordings or can they do some experiments on their own? Yes, if we go to my website, it's um, deutsch.ucsd.edu and there's a section called Illusions and Research and in that section... There's a subsection called Phantom Words, and if you click on that, you'll find that you can listen to seven of these examples. And you're asking an important question. It's, it's much better, if possible, to use stereo loudspeakers to um, experience this. I don't think it works quite as well through headphones, though I believe that people do listen to it through headphones. Um, so they can try, but if at all possible, stereo loudspeakers, like, for example, if they have external loudspeakers attached to their computer, they could use that. those. Um, that's an, a really important point. I also think that they should make sure to listen for a while before they expect the phantom words to emerge. It might take, you know, as long as 10 to 20 seconds before they hear anything but just a jumble. But if they continue listening, they will emerge. I haven't come across anyone who hasn't heard any phantom words. And they tend to develop with repeated and continued listening. So I have several of them. So if you just start with the first, which goes on from somewhere between one minute to two minutes, and then just keep going, go on to the next, go on to the next, and so on, in the end, you'll probably find that you're hearing a very large number. There's just something about repeating this, you know, this stuff uh, a great deal that causes it to merge better and better. It helps to have pen and paper in front of you and to write down the words that you're hearing. This generally sort of firms up your hearing phantom words. Another thing is try to sit between the loudspeakers facing them to begin with, but once the effect starts to work, it helps to turn your head somewhat and even to start moving around the room and you'll start to find different phantom words appear as well. And 
Is there any difference between the way left-handed people and right-handed people hear phantom words? There does seem to be a difference. Right-handed people tend to hear more phantom words coming from their right than from their left. But people who are ambidextrous or left-handed don't show that difference. But you need to be strongly right-handed to get this effect. I do have to ask, in your personal opinion on the electronic voice phenomenon, do you think that there could be anything unexplained around it, or do you think it's all totally explainable by the phantom word um, phenomenon? I would feel at, at risk of sounding dogmatic that it's probably completely explainable by the phantom word phenomenon. Unless, of course, people are hearing stray voices that come through citizen bands radioed, for example, or, you know, something else that just sort of bleeds into what, you know, the recording that they're listening to. But I would say I certainly don't believe that their voice is from the spirit world. And here's one thing that one should consider if they think that perhaps I stumbled on um, uh, a way of invoking voices from the spirit world, then they would need to explain why it is that if you get a large group of people and you play them one phantom word, they all hear different things from each other. So it's not like the spirit, if, if it was a spirit, the spirit would be um, saying the same thing to all the different people. That doesn't work. And I guess the final question for you is, where do you see your research on phantom words going in the future? I know you had mentioned maybe doing a clinical study. Well, I want to try different syllables, different number of syllables. So far, I just have two syllable words and they seem to work best. But um, I'm looking into longer syllables and I'm also curious to know what are the parameters that determine what's heard, like, if, if a syllable is too short, it doesn't work well, or if it's too long, it doesn't work well. There's, there's a, um, a space of time which is about the duration of a phoneme that seems to work best, but I, I have to document that. What is your goal, or what would you hope to accomplish with this research? Do you have a specific point in mind that you want to you wanna reach? Well... I just find it very interesting. I do these things because I find them tremendously interesting myself. As a matter of fact, I listen to the phantom words myself even now, and I generate new ones and listen to them and ask myself why I'm hearing what I'm hearing and so on. It's just at a personal level, I find the whole thing really intriguing. What about it is interesting to you? Like, what what do you find so interesting about that experience? Well, the gigantic illusions. I mean you're given a word or a phrase um, out there in the real world and what you hear is something entirely different and it makes you realize, my God, you know, you know, you start asking questions about the relationship between illusion and reality. Um, you know, how much of what we see and hear can we really believe? And I think that it is a big question, and I think that this phantom words phenomenon certainly points very strongly to the fact that we don't really necessarily hear or see things that, that are really out there. But it doesn't mean that they're produced by ghosts or spirits, it just means that our brains are constructively 
um, trying to create um, thing, uh, sounds that are meaningful to us, sounds or sights, in fact. Do you think the phantom word phenomenon explains EVP? Let us know on our Twitter and Instagram at strange underscore phenom and on Facebook at strange phenomenon, all one word. Please give us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Visit www.strange-phenomenon.com for a full list of sources and more episodes. Strange Phenomenon is hosted by Ray Terrara. It's written and produced by RJ Blake and Ray Terrara. Theme music by Tara Monk. Additional music provided by Sergi Cheramizanov.